Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road, Warren County, New Jersey, on a beautiful, beautiful uh, summer day, thank God. So the uh, the rain has been subsiding here, so uh, that's good, I guess. Uh, I know that's something that people in other parts of the country certainly do not want to hear with the drought situation, but we've been supposed to get some showers, I think, tomorrow. But by God's grace, my corn so far is looking beautiful. And uh, it's uh, the first, let's say, four to four plantings are tasseled. Well, the first three plantings are tasseled. And uh, the fourth planting is tasseling. And then the fifth uh, the fifth is every once in a while tasseling. Uh, well, I mean, by every once in a while, every, every couple of plants. You know, uh, people tell you that are agronomists that everything is supposed to happen at the same time. And I guess, you know, at the same time could be uh, is subjective, right? So does the same time mean the same day with the same couple of days? And uh, I know with the sweet corn hybrid, you know, some people say, well, it's all supposed to emerge at the same time. It's supposed to do this and that. And uh, I have to say that with, you know, since I've been doing the no-till and the new plant or what have you that i get i get the the most even emergence that i've ever had that the bohax family has ever had on this farm is it you know like coming from a factory no and i think it will never be any but it is it is very very even but is it all up at the same time i know you listen to some of these high yield farmers and i'm not denying that that they say that it's supposed to all come up within a couple of hours of one another if i'm all up within a day or day and a half of one another i think i'm doing wonderfully and um and i'll give you it's like go in front of a judge when you're speeding go guilty with an explanation well the first thing basically is that uh this hybrid that i plant the sweet corn is a little bit finicky because even when i do a test in the house with the seed and put it under you know some damp paper towels and keep it damp and in the same spot they all don't come up at the same time in the paper towel so i can't expect that to happen in the ground when i have even moisture in the paper towel and even heat in the paper towel uh, but also my planting depth varies very little bit but it varies because of my planter is connected as a three-point hitch deal so if the tractor just rides up a little bit or goes down a little bit that you're not getting that perfect depth as you would with something that's being pulled behind you on a hitch pin that has its own that's able to ride independently so uh, but but it's looking beautifully thank god so far we'll see what happens and uh, i'm with cautious optimism right so and hopefully god willing your crops are looking well also but what i do want to say is that i want to give a shout out a big big shout out because the other day we shouted out to jason from i believe was west islip new york and what the shout outs are all about in case you didn't catch the past last week's show or your new listener is that i want to try to i don't want to not say track identify where my audience is because i love to know i love to look at a map and say wow well you, this person lives over there and i sometimes would you know do a you know say oh well let me see what that part of oklahoma looks like wow that's beautiful so i'm asking my audience all around the world doesn't have to be limited to the united states and canada all around the world to just send me an email at hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest.com and let me know where you're listening and you could feel and i do want to correct because i think i may have given people a wrong impression or maybe i've done it on a radio show is that i was saying that you know I'll, I'll see where you are and i could give you and if i see if i ever go through our town i could maybe i'll one day go through our town and give you a shout out i, I didn't mean that i'm gonna give you a shout out uh shout out when i'm in your town say hey i'm over here i'd like to come over that i i worded that incorrectly and when i listened to it, i said oh god i said people think that i'm gonna be well don't the wife is probably saying don't contact that hot rod farmers we're not gonna do i don't mean that i mean that i will become cognizant of the t- area you live in and one day on my travels i may say oh wow i have a listener there or i had i, I have a listener there that i'm gonna ride through that town to see what it looks like or what part of the country or what have you does mean i'm gonna but the shout out is to your name for me to say hello to you and thank you for listening on the radio show and on the idle chatter podcast so i just want to clarify that because my 
because who, who wants me knocking on your door and i would never ever ever do that i mean that's not my style i don't my mother taught taught us you never intrude on people so you never intrude on people so don't think what that is but anyway so i would love to hear from you and i could put a pin in my map on my wall a push pin and, and for where you are located and all it has to be could be as little as your first name ray Hackettstown, new jersey i use that as an example or you could tell me a little bit about yourself well today we have three shout outs and what i'm going to do is i will start with mr shane hennessy and he is from and you have to forgive me his name is easy to pronounce but sometimes i may mess up somebody's last name all right he's from alvo alvo nebraska and he wrote me a very nice note and i will share it with you he goes hello i am a 30 year old sixth gen sixth sixth generation farmer from alvo nebraska i farmed my two great uncles and we pride ourselves on maintaining and repairing our own machinery we raise corn soybeans and wheat i heard you first on the farm for profit podcast i am learning every time i listen thanks and at shane hennessy and he also has a side business called burr b-u-r-r feeds and he is a distributor or dealer i may be using the wrong term so excuse me shane for for adm animal nutrition so and then subsequently i communicated back and forth through email with shane and i i found out that he's a uh, not only is he a farmer and an adm animal nutrition uh dealer but he is a daddy daddy of three children and his wife just recently had their third child so congratulations to him and his family and may the lord bless and keep them and i just think it's wonderful that he's a sixth sixth generation i'm having trouble saying that today sixth generation farmer and from alvo new alvo nebraska and nebraska holds a special place in my heart i love nebraska i love all rural states but rural areas but something about nebraska tugs on my heartstrings but i have never been to alvo so there is a pin in my map shane with your name on it in alpha alvo nebraska and then also i heard from and i know i'm probably going to kill his name all right his first name is evan and i'm not going to kill that but it, i believe it's Schertzer, s-h-e-r-t-z-e-r and uh he's an he's another young farmer so uh that's great so he writes to me hey ray wanted to get you another pin for the map i listen from lancaster pennsylvania and i live about 15 miles north of steve groff steve groff got very well known within the cover crop he was one of the uh like i call him the henry ford of cover crops because he didn't invent cover crops but he was the kind of he would he, he i don't want to say popularized popularized him but uh he actually brought the brought the cover crop movement to the forefront and he's in pennsylvania and if you look in my archives any place that has my podcast listed i did an on the road podcast with steve groff but anyway uh so he writes he lives 15 minutes north of steve groff and i know from going to steve's place that that's a beautiful area of pennsylvania so he says to me also he continues thanks for keeping on thanks for keep on investing time in the podcast and producing them as a young beginning farmer and one who loves mechanical things i appreciate hearing all the wisdom you and your guests have to offer so i want to thank you so much for that evan that is a that is a very nice compliment and i'm not looking for compliments but i'm just looking for confirmation you know as a christian you don't look for compliments you look for confirmation that you're doing the right thing and serving the audience and i believe this is truly my calling in life to help educate the agricultural community but subsequently also i opened up a, a email dialogue with him and uh, and evan is a very very busy young man he's getting married he has a fiance and they raise tobacco and hay and poultry and he uh and he also has a tractor tire sales and repair business and he does artificial insemination on cows and he does some work on the side for a large poultry house and he said they're going to be bringing in seventy thousand birds 
next week. So he's getting ready for that. So that's when he's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we went from Alvo, Nebraska and Shane Hennessy to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And also I have friends of mine that have an engine shop and I did a pod on the road podcast with them also called Race Crafters, Bob and Craig Wise in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's the city of Lancaster and there's Lancaster County and there's Lancaster City. So he's obviously, if he's farming, he's not in the city. So give a great shout out to him. And then I want to give a shout out to Cody and Megan Reisman. And they're from Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. And Cody has been a long time listener of Idle Chatter. And uh, and I appreciate that. And I had the opportunity to do a On the Road podcast with him also. And you'll just keep in mind that if someone doesn't contact me and ask me for a pin in the map, just because I've had a, had a correspondence with you, I will not take that liberty and give you a shout out. So, so Cody and Megan um, reached out to me and they're from Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, which is out by by uh, uh, by the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area for those listening around the world. And I did an on the road podcast with them and they are also first generation farmers. So I think this is wonderful. And it's uh, they're cattle farmers during the beef beef business, Reese Reisman beef. And when I was out there, I had a Reisman beef hamburger that, well, actually, I think two or three, to be quite honest with you. Well, at least two, possibly three. I may, I probably wanted the third one, but I don't want to be disrespectful and be a pig and eat eat all their food so uh megan made a beautiful lunch when i was out there and uh was was great and i was able to uh taste this high quality beef and i think they actually sell that on the uh, i'm not good with that stuff i think like on facebook or something he said i may be wrong but it's reisman beef in vandergrift pennsylvania if i didn't pronounce i always call it vandergrift so i probably messed that up a little bit but listen thank you so much evan shane and cody and megan for reaching out and there's pins in my map with your names on it and listen please please reach out to me i love it and you will also my next time on my next radio show i will announce these same names so as i'm slushing moving papers around so what today's show is going to be about i'm going to follow the same theme <clears throat> that i've been doing I hope to just clear my throat here for a second already i'm back i gotta put this fader back in the right spot uh but i'm gonna follow the same theme as having the road test that i do integrated into an idle chatter podcast so we did that with the f-250 tremor and the bronco sport and i'm going to do the last road test that i have right now which is the f-150 hybrid which they call power boost so that's a very interesting that's a very interesting truck and i have the i've been neglectful with the farm and with everything about getting the articles up on the website under the getting to know series that will complement the two podcasts so i need to get the pod the article up on the bronco sport and now on the f-150 hybrid so i thank you for your patience with that and um so i'm gonna hopefully get that up with next week or so week or two before i uh i get into harvest all right so what is an f-150 power boost well the f-150 power boost is a f-150 with the echo echo boost engine the, the v6 echo boost engine and it is a um, so it's the twin turbo v6 very powerful truck and then it's a full hybrid so it means it has an electric motor assist now keep in mind as i always repeat this because i never know who's listening and who's not listening and or if you're new to, new listener or missed one of the shows is that the the press office because i'm so close to new york city about 65 miles away the the vehicles that i that i get are always loaded pickup trucks and you know somebody could question say well why are you testing a 70 80 luxury pickup truck for a farm i'm not going to use that to to haul seed or haul cattle or what have you so what i basically do is in all of these road tests i look beyond the trim level of the truck and i look at the mechanics of the truck so just like uh you know last year with the chevy silverado uh high country the um, the gmc denali with the three liter duramax diesel which was a great engine uh the nissan titan 
uh, Pro 4X, and then this year with the um, uh, F-250 Tremor with the 7.3 gas, and then the Bronco Sport, and now with this F-150 Hybrid. So I look at it as a vehicle. I don't really, I mean, I mentioned the trim package. The trim package, for the most part, for the most part, sometimes it skews the, the workability of the, of the truck, because if you have 22-inch chrome wheels, all right, that's not really the tire package that you want to go into a field on a wet field and um, and check a center pivot on or go check cattle on check cattle with. So uh, those are not the wheels that you want. But as far as the mechanics of the truck is concerned, that's all going to be standard. It's all going to be the same. So the the frame coming down the assembly line doesn't know that it's going into a luxury version or it's going into a truck with vinyl seats and no and, and a rubber floor. That's going to be working on the farm so i i don't really focus on the the trim level and in this particular instance it was a gorgeous truck there was a f-150 uh, crew cab power boost as i said so that's a full hybrid and it, it's quite powerful engine because it has about it has four about 450 horsepower between the hybrid and the gasoline engine you, you add those two together and why i'm saying about because once again there was a discrepancy a slight discrepancy in the specification so i'm going with the lower number so it's about with the two engines together it's the well the, the gas engine and the electric motor working together it's, a, it's the equivalent of about 450 460 horsepower and you know keep in mind that this was not a plug-in so you can't charge it it's a basically turn the key and go type of vehicle and if it ha and it cycles between running off the battery and running off the engine it's and in engineering we would call that invisible there's nothing for you to do but turn the key and uh and in essence this technology or I, this theory of operation was brought to the forefront by toyota with the original prius and you know an interesting fact about that is that you know people credit toyota with the with the hybrid drivetrain and to a certain extent i agree with them you do have to credit them with that uh but a lot of those early patents believe it or not on that type of drivetrain actually belonged to ford and toyota had to back years ago had to actually license some of that technology from ford motor company i'm not going to deny that they did they brought a lot of their own technology and i'm not going to deny that but uh, but i think that the engine the the electric motor transmission type of deal originally for the original prius was licensed from ford motor company ford had developed that and patented that type of drivetrain but never did anything with it and toyota uh was the first one to market with so in essence you could look at it that this is a a, a prius type of drivetrain it's not a prius it's a prius type of drivetrain so what that basically means a quick in a nutshell with a hybrid vehicle is that you have the gasoline motor the internal combustion engine and you have the electric motor and based upon the load the driving the battery conditions what have you that the vehicle is designed to operate at low speeds for a certain amount of range that's in the battery low speeds um, on electric power alone and then it will kick in kick in the gasoline engine when need be so there's there's an electric range and then there's the gasoline range but the beauty part on the beauty part about you know unlike an electric vehicle or there is uh this you could get in this truck and you could drive to california drive to alaska whatever you want and the based upon what the battery status is and the load and maybe running it sometime off of the electric motor solely or maybe running solely off the gasoline engine or in combination of both and that's where it comes tricky with the horsepower the total horsepower rating because if you look at the way an electric motor and i did a podcast on this a few eh, maybe last year or six months ago it's in the archives about the different way different ways horsepower is rated so electric motor horsepower is rated differently than in than internal combustion engine 
horsepower versus hydraulic motor horsepower. So you can, so if you have a, a five horsepower electric motor, a five horsepower hydraulic motor, and a five horsepower internal combustion engine, they're both rated five. They they, they say five horsepower, but the metric, the scale, the measurement of way they achieve that number is different. So it's very hard to take a an electric drive motor in a in a uh, hybrid vehicle and add those numbers solely together with the, with the output of the gasoline engine. So that's why it skews a little bit. So what they do is they kind of give you a, a rough idea of what it is producing together, and they usually error on the low side because with today's litigious society, everybody goes and says, oh, I put on a dyno and then make that, so whatever. But the two do add together, and and the equivalent of the two is about 450 horsepower. So this is a fast truck. There's no denying it. It's a it's a heavy truck. It's a fa- but it's a fast truck. And uh, from what I understand is that it probably would for the drag races, the hot rod farmers out there, it'll run about it'll run in the mid 13 seconds at about 100, 203 miles per hour at the drag strip or maybe even a little bit more of that and that's a this is a the one that i had was a loaded limited f-150 i mean every option i think it would stick it for about 78 or seventy-nine thousand dollars. even had an 11 or 12 speaker stereo but like i said i don't focus on that because that's trim if you want that then you could order it I, i'm talking about the truck as it is so the truck i had was gorgeous it was beautiful um so let me give you some engineering aspects and real technical stuff on it. Alrighty, uh, the the turning circle on it, even with the large tires, was very tight for that type of vehicle. And I, I often bring this up because you know a tight turning circle makes a tight turning circle makes a large and long vehicle drive smaller. And I really think this is one of the things that needs to happen with these larger pickup trucks because they're so long and uh, and they're wide and they're long, but specifically long, is that if, if you have a tighter turning circle, it makes it a lot easier for you to, to pull into a parking spot in town, just do whatever, just maneuver the truck. So a tight turning circle makes the vehicle seem like it's smaller than it is. In this particular instance, that is a plus. Now, the on-highway ride of this, F, now mind you, this was an F-150 Limited, had the bigger wheels on it, the gorgeous, gorgeous leather upholstery, beautiful, I mean, could have been in a high-end luxury car, high-quality materials and what have you, but it had a velvety smooth on-highway ride. And you have to realize that there's, you, that there's two types of ride. Well, there's probably more than two types of ride, but when you when you have you, you could say well if it's a smooth road then it should be smooth well yes it should be smooth to a certain extent on a smooth road on any type of vehicle i'm not talking about this truck but the way the shocks and the springs are calibrated along with the whatever and and that's also comes with the bushings in the suspension comes into play that all comes into play collectively uh it's not where one is a, a, a higher bias than the other or more important than the other, and then the tire package that's on it and the amount of give in the sidewall. And historically, you know, when you look at tires and big tires on the, big wheels, I should say, not tires, big wheels on a car or big wheels on a truck, is that there's no denying that they look great. It's like high heels on a woman. That the, uh, these, you know, high heel shoes definitely going to present and look much nicer. Uh, and much more attractive but the thing is that you know is that the most practical shoe for everything and and with the high heel the woman gives up some i don't want to say my wife loves high heels but gives up some comfort or some well whatever you may not going to climb a ladder with them all right so the thing is that when you have these really big wheel packages they look great just like the high heel it looks great but you give up usually a lot of ride with that because the, because there's no sidewall on it and the sidewall on a tire the amount of sidewall also impacts uh, absorbs some of the impacts when you have a very stiff sidewall because it has to be stiff on a low profile tire is you're giving up some of that springiness but lo and behold you know and then when it comes to a pickup truck like this 
that you can't diminish the weight carrying capability of it the loaded the, the work it could do so it's a real real balancing act and what the engineers have to basically do is you're walking this tightrope with high heels and that's what it, what that's in essence a very simplistic way of saying it. i'd say ford did a wonderful job and it has a, a velvety on highway riding so on a very smooth road it is very compliant it's very quiet it's very very smooth but now so let's say arguably if you live down a a, a washboard gravel dirt well midwest they call them gravel we call them dirt roads here a washboard road and get onto a beautiful two-lane paved road what you will notice is that the ride or the ride with this suspension and wheel package will not be as good on the washboard road as maybe a base f-150 with a smaller with a with a, a tire with more side well not not maybe it won't be as good as a base f-150 with a um, more sidewall and a tire and more give and a smaller rim than than this truck but once you got out on the silky smooth road this is going to ride better so like i say it's a it's a balancing act and the point that, that i'm saying to you is that if you live a mile half a mile down a washboard dirt road i don't care what kind of vehicle you buy you really don't want these huge wheel and tire packages they look great they look sexy they look beautiful but you really don't want that but this truck had a beautiful beautiful um ride and it was it literally was tomb quiet inside it was like a tomb it's probably one of the quietest vehicles i ever rode in it was tomb quiet no no wind noise no anything what have you just beautiful uh beautiful beautiful vehicle as far as that's concerned uh so let me see what else uh it had great forward visibility just like the f-250 you know you have to be when you if you're in a market for a vehicle especially a, you know a truck for the farm you got to look beyond i said this before in the other podcast you know not all these vehicles have great visibility you would tend to think so they're almost square that they would but they don't so you know make sure that whatever brand you're going to look at whatever brand you're going to buy you're making a big investment and it is investment it's not a purchase so you expect it to give you a return all right not just a bill in the mail is that make sure that the visibility is good on it or good for you you may be a taller person what have you in, in a truck that has that has excellent visibility in the front is not as good for me or vice versa and what i'm talking about visibility in the front is how how close to the front of the vehicle can you see the road so in other words if you're sitting and you're in the driving position that you want you look out the windshield do you is it like driving a, a, a conventional semi where you can't sort of so if somebody was standing five feet away from the vehicle you can't see it so how close to the front of the vehicle can you see and with this f-150 which is a, a it's a new body style well it's new for 2021 i mean you could see that there's differences in it and uh so and it's a and it's, a, and it's an all-new truck but they, it it was more of an evolutionary change as far as his appearance is concerned than it was anything dramatic so you have to be a little you have to be a little bit knowledgeable to see that it's the newer that it's the new design truck versus last year's but did a great job with a great visibility all right forward beautiful um the um let me see what else i wanted to tell you about this uh so i'm i'm just bouncing around off my notes once again superb build quality i mean build quality world class i mean fit and finish i go around i look at everything i run my hands over the seams paint quality the way the doors open close the sound of the doors superb build quality superb build quality interior wise um this truck was was made in the dearborn michigan plant and um it just everything i mean top of the line top of the line and uh i said i don't talk about trim but gorgeous gorgeous leather upholstery very comfortable it had the massaging seats when we went on our when charlotte went with me on the highway run that were farm machinery digest road test route out which is about 275 280 mile run about 80 percent 90 percent on interstate and about 10 to 20 percent uh on uh, secondary country rural roads um 
I put the massage on for her. She absolutely, she wrote all day long with the massage on. She loved it. So uh, I didn't put it on my side. The thing, basically, I do want to say this particular truck, it was a limited, same, had a lot of features in it, and everything was operating through a touch screen. And I don't particularly care for that. The touch screen was, to my way of thinking, I had just stepped out of the Bronco Sport and the uh, touchscreen was nowhere near as intuitive and easy to use as in the Bronco. So uh, it's a much more expensive vehicle, and I'm not a great fan of the touchscreens, but the Bronco has been my favorite. This one is a little bit awkward. So when we, when we went out on the test route, uh, the, the highway runs, Charles says to me, oh, put that, put, put that massage on like you put on for the other day. He said, well, I just happened to find that. I said, I don't remember how I got there. So I was able to find it. So you know, there's a learning curve to all of this, but but you know, keep in mind that, and this is no, this is knock on all the car companies, you know, the, the, the states are so concerned with, with uh, distracted driving that I know in New Jersey, you can't even touch a telephone uh, I mean, if you, t- I mean, you could touch anything you want in the car, but you can't even touch a telephone. They give you a ticket, $150. And if you get it twice, then they put points on your license for distracted driving. But all of the, I, the majority of these new cars, if you buy any trim level on new cars, pickup trucks, any from the mid trim level on up, unless you buy the base vehicle, you got these touch screens. You can't put, yeah, just talk about distracted driving. I mean, it's more distracted than talking on a telephone. But anyway, that's the way the world, nobody asked me. Uh, the truck had, as I said, the EcoBoost 3 liter, I mean, 3, 3.5 liter V6, which is rated at 365 horsepower. It had about a, a 90 to 100 rated horsepower electric motor, so collectively about 450 horsepower. And it went through the 10 speed trans- automatic transmission, Ford's 10 speed transmission, which is just it's beautiful i mean i there's nothing there's nothing that you could say uh, bad about it it's always in the right gear torque converter i always bring up torque converter torque converter is beautiful it's always in the right gear the truck had uh had very good headlights it weren't uh, when i said they weren't great they were not bad but i've been spoiled by some of the newer vehicles with the uh with the superb headlights then again i thought that the bronco i mean these were excellent headlights they were nowhere near marginal but i think the bronco sport had better headlights as far as the visibility is concerned in their lighting pattern but this was excellent it wasn't by no means anything for you to to, to complain about but then again the the c8 corvette had the best headlights i've had in my career um so let me see what else now what i do want to talk to you about is that anything that the take-home message here is that the towing capacity and everything on this f-150 it's called a power boost and what it and this is the truck also that i need to discuss that that got a lot of that got a lot of attention during the terrible storms that they had in texas because this has an onboard generator and you could act it has a 7200 watt as an option i think it's 995 dollars onboard generator for that that now the generator what i mean onboard it's not sitting in the bed of the truck that it's it's running off the gasoline engine that you could actually run your house off of well, up to 7200 watts and in the back in the bed of the pickup truck there's connections and plugs there so you could go into the field with the power boost and it's called the power boost this and the onboard generator is an option that the power boost is the name ford gave for the hybrid drivetrain and then the onboard generator i forgot honestly what they call it I remembered but they everything is so confusing today but anyway is an option it's 995 dollars. So, so you could take this truck it doesn't and you could get that on any f-150 it doesn't have to be a limit you get it on the lower trim level so you're going to farm truck so you could take this truck but it has to be a power boost so it has to be a hybrid and you could get this truck and you could take it and you could um go and you go out into the field with it and you need to fix a fence you need to something you have electric power there all right and during that storm that terrible frigid weather they had in texas this past winter or spring is a lot of people who had these were running their house off of it so that is something i wanted wanted to tell you about but the uh that the drivetrain uh, allows you to do that but inter- interestingly enough and um you know in engineering we say there's nothing new maybe the way you're accomplishing is new i don't know what i was doing oh i know what i do what i was doing is that 
I had just, I think I still had this truck as a test vehicle. And I was at the TA truck stop in the morning. I was walking around. I may even told you this story and in the previous podcast. And the thing is that uh, I saw a car carrier and it had a 19, I believe it was a 1970, if I remember correctly. It was, a F, I believe it was a F2, well, it probably was an F, yeah, F250. I don't think, I think they called them F200s back then. I don't remember. But anyway, it was, that, it was an F-series Ford. And I should remember all that stuff. I'm, as I'm getting old, it's starting to skew in my mind. And I had seen camper specials while I was growing up as a kid, but I never saw, this one said farm and ranch special. And I thought, wow, and you could see it's badging from Ford. So when I got home, I looked it up. You know, the internet is good for stuff like that. And I looked it up, I saw this farm and ranch special, which was a app, like a camper special. It was an option from Ford for a few years. So lo and behold, I'm able to locate the, the brochure for that. And back in 1970, Ford had as an option a one-cylinder gasoline-powered underhood generator. So whereas this one, the 2021 version of this, right, runs the 7,200-watt generator from the gasoline engine, so the Echo Boost V6, whereas now granted back then the generator wasn't as powerful as i think it was 3000 watts but what they had underneath the hood because i got the old brochure is they had it looks like a briggs and stratton or an onan or who knows what maybe a tecumseh a small one cylinder engine like from a lawnmower with a generator obviously there was a lot of room under the hoods back then and it showed a guy in a job site and he had the hood open he's running power cords from underneath the hood of this f-series truck and he's running a saw so you know there is nothing new the way they're accomplishing it is new but there's nothing new so i thought that would kind of burst my bubble because i was like bragging about this oh you can run your house off of it and then i find out 50 years ago ford had the same thing and to be quite honest with you i like the 1970 version because you're not running this big engine to power up the generator you're running a little one cylinder engine that's mounted underneath the hood with a generator back in 1970 so but like i say again it's a different world but uh so with this full hybrid let me before i get into some other things in the truck uh i always like to be cons- forget about the serviceability on this truck i mean it's uh, between the high and i don't mean it that way i mean i mean yeah you could work on it it's very 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 busy under the hood with with everything and with the hybrid drivetrain and with the um with the with the i call it a backup generator so it's very 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 busy under the hood i mean you open up the hood and there's cables and there's everything is covered plastic so it's it's really it's really a not not that service not that easy to service if you're doing a lot of service work on your farm in your farm shop and you decide to invest in this vehicle so now if you look at it so basically in essence let me let me start to put some senses and bring closure to you 2021 f-150 gorgeous truck capable truck beautiful truck well built uh switch gear everything high quality vehicle you choose the trim level you want all right so you choose the trim level you want you could get a base f-150 and and have 90 percent of the attributes as far as the build quality and the workability of the truck if you decide to get a limited with the power boost that's your own prerogative but the truck is a workhorse there's no denying it but the thing is that why would somebody buy a hybrid and i don't care whether it's a prius or it's an f-150 well there's two schools of thought with the hybrid some people and this is not really with the truck this is with the cars is that there's some people that want that feel that they're doing the world that they're being ecological by buying a hybrid all right and i'm not gonna well the thing basically is is that you're ecological in what way and anybody who's listening who's a hybrid fan no disrespect there's no disrespect whatsoever but how are you being ecological if you look at the environmental impact to mine those batteries and what you do with the battery afterwards that shoots a lot of that 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 really is not ecological whatsoever but if it makes you feel good god bless you i have no problem with that 
But other people buy a hybrid drivetrain, not that they're not care- caring about the ecology, but they want it because in theory, it pushes the envelope in fuel economy because you're going back and forth between the two engines. Sometimes you run the gasoline engine alone. Sometimes you run the, when you need a lot of power, you're on the gasoline engine and the electric motor is, is giving it a boost, all right, and not using any gasoline to do it. And then sometimes you're riding on electric power whatsoever. So if you're under the mindset that you want to chase a a higher level of fuel economy, and that's where I'm going to focus with this, that the EPA rating of this truck that I got was 2424. And what I basically did is I drove the truck for uh, uh, 1,000 and I think 27 miles I've written down here in total. All right. The thing is that the truck has a large fuel tank and I averaged 26.9 miles per gallon. I mean, excuse me, 27.1 miles per gallon around town and 28 miles per gallon on the highway at legal speeds now keep in mind legal speeds on the east coast here are 65 and in some areas 70 not 85 miles an hour like some places out west but the interesting thing so now i beat the epa where they have it rated 24 24 24 c 24 i beat the epa and the truck had a phenomenal range like an 830 mile range based upon the fuel economy and the uh and the size of the tank so in theory with the mileage i was getting i could drive from our farm in new jersey you know into iowa uh, you know across the mississippi into iowa and get gas right there so that is fantastic based upon the mileage i was getting but the interesting thing is i'm and i'm leading you down a path here the interesting thing was the dashboard was uh was able to tell you and record with the triple odometer how many miles you went and how many miles you went on solely electric power so so out of all of the mileage i put on the truck which was over a thousand miles all right i only went i only traveled about 208 miles collectively over the thousand miles on electric power so that meant that in the driving cycles the way i use this truck so say a thousand miles 200 miles that 80 percent of the time i was not in electric power i was could have been a combination of electric power and gasoline but predominantly so 80 percent of the time i was driving only on gasoline so that meant that the, that the hybrid powertrain was being evoked to solely move the vehicle and it'll move at 45 50 almost 60 miles an hour i mean it, it goes and, and when you jump on this truck when the both engines kick like i said it's a fast truck there's no denying it it's heavy so in essence what i'm getting at here is that for my audience the the farm and ranch community the rural the rural community is that the, when any hybrid where any hybrid drive train shines is when you have the ability to run a good percentage of time on electric power alone so in a more of an urban or city environment or stop and go traffic or maybe even like a school bus or a taxi cab or a delivery vehicle because on the highway when i took it on the highway run is that you ran very very little you're not going to be going 75 miles an hour 70 miles an hour down the road in this f-150 on electric power so the thing basically is for instance now when i went when charles and i went on the highway trip which is about 275 280 miles it's the same route but sometimes if you change lanes a couple of times where you go get off this exit and go around there or something it's a little it's a couple of miles it takes a couple of miles away so arguably let's say 270 miles for easy arithmetic 135 miles each way on that run according to my notes the the truck only went uh the truck only went 26.9 miles excuse me we put 304 miles in that run so we must have done a little bit more riding around and it only went 26.9 miles on electric power alone so 
in essence, the two, 280, 280 something miles was on gasoline and not on, and the electric was not doing anything unless I wanted to really pass somebody, then you have that power boost, but I'm not concerned with that. So what I'm trying to say to you is that I really don't think that the, the hybrid option brings any value to a majority of my audience. All right. It's, um, I think you're better served with the same truck solely with the gasoline engine in it and not the electric and not the electric drivetrain now the drivetrain worked beautifully it was seamless between gasoline electric switch back and forth other than watching the tack drop to zero because the truck was so quiet inside and so smooth you had no idea what was going on no idea whatsoever so the thing is that but the fact is that you are adding a lot of complexity with any hybrid vehicle a lot of complexity a lot and you're adding cost you have the battery in there on a pickup truck like this the battery is not obtrusive like it is in a car so you don't know what's there it's not stealing any room for cargo room but you're really not getting in the type of driving you would do on a, if you lived out in the country you're not getting any real benefit from the hybrid drivetrain you're adding, you could probably actually do just as good or better because you're adding a lot of weight to the vehicle but even that it's i think the f-150 for a person that for the majority of my audience with either the echo boost engine if you need that they have the two echo boost engines the 2.7 and the 3.5 or the 5 liter v8 or even the the base normally aspirated v6 is a much better drivetrain choice because the type of use that you would put this to that the drive the hybrid drivetrain is not going to give you any real benefit other than a power boost so if you're pulling a trailer then you now have a 450 horsepower f-150 instead of a 365 horsepower engine alone fine but it don't look for a few even though i got superb fuel economy with it but the fact of the matter is that because you could the data doesn't lie the numbers don't lie it was only on electric only power electric only power for between 10 and at best 20 percent of the time but it worked out to be 10 or 10 to 15 percent of the time so 80 to 85 percent of the time the electric drivetrain was doing nothing for, for me driving this truck other than other than adding weight to it so so that's my take home message do i love the truck it's gorgeous build quality wonderful it's an f-150 drivetrain integration of the hybrid the echo boost engine the transmission gorgeous i mean as a calibration engineer kudos 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 it's 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 it totally totally invisible do i really think that a a hybrid pickup truck is you know a value for someone that lives on a ranch in montana and is 50 miles from town i would say no and in engineering, we always use an acronym called KISS, and I've used it on the show before, keep it simple, stupid, meaning the more complexity you add into something, the 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 uh, the more likelihood of something to go wrong. And I'm not saying it's unreliable by no means. The hybrid cars have been, but it really brings no value. So it really, it would be like me going to, to record an on-the-road podcast in a Peterbilt maybe you say well i like riding the driving a peterbilt but my recording equipment fits very easily in the trunk of my fiesta i get 45 miles per gallon and me going to record a podcast by myself <coughs> excuse me in a peterbilt or a big suburban or something brings no value to it whatsoever and i now if, if you live more in a city or in a, in a, in a suburb you say well we live out in the country but we i go and i i work in an office my wife works in an office or a company in town and she does more driving in town than she could conceivably use the electric powertrain more then i would say that it's something to consider i would certainly not be afraid of it but i really think that you're better off not buying that option and uh buy the f-150 the way you want it and you will have a fantastic fantastic vehicle and uh and that's all i could say but like i said i gotta be honest with you i wouldn't buy the i would not buy the hybrid for the type of use i put to it it's, it brings no value to me now if somebody lives in town they, they they could basically ride around they could i mean you could get 
28, 30 miles per gallon if you drive it easy around town because most of the time it's riding on the electric engine, electric motor. But out in the farmer ranch, I really don't think it has, it's just not the right application for that. It doesn't mean that the truck is not the right application. It means it's just not the right application for that. So everybody, any questions, any concerns, please feel free to reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And now we're going to bring Textual Benowitz in, the Hot Rod Man from Ripsaw Records. He don't have a hybrid. Yeah, righty. Thank you so much. And uh, we are going into the toolbox test. Okay, put your thinking cap on. Here we go. You are thinking about investing in another self-propelled sprayer for the farm. You do not want to buy a new one since the, this unit will only be used for foliar feeding and fungicide application. You've had a bad experience a few years back when you seriously dinged up and killed some crop due to herbicide residue. You vowed to yourself to eventually get a dedicated sprayer for in-season crop care and nutrition. You found a beautiful unit a few towns away. The seller said that it worked well until recently when the pressure would not stay steady. He felt it needed a new pump and priced the sprayer accordingly. You agreed with his diagnosis and took the unit home. Upon removal and disassembly of the centrifugal style pump, you noticed, the, you noticed that the housing was pitted internally and the tip of some of the impeller fins broken off. Confident that you found the issue, you bolt on the new pump and hit the field, only to see that the same pressure problem exists. Perplexed and frustrated, you ask around for some advice and this is what you receive. Farmer A says the new pump is defective and has the same problem as the one you replaced. Farmer B believes that the gauge is wrong and the old pump was fine. Farmer C says that the old pump ate some dirt from the tank and it must, and it must still be in a system. That is why the impeller is damaged and the volute pitted internally. And Farmer D is adamant that the original pump was damaged by cavitation and that is why the pressure is jumping around all right so you think about that and then we're going to have our our uh, special delivery letter here excuse me and this person writes hi i just wanted you to know that i had an issue with the ac in my air conditioner in my 2001 dodge cummins that that was not getting cold so the AC was not getting cold. I went to your I went to your archives and I found the show where you spoke about the blend air doors underneath the dash. Bingo, one was stuck. Thanks so much for providing information like that. You saved me at least $500, if not more. I am putting that money towards a weekend getaway with my wife before harvest, and that is James in North Dakota well james i want to thank you so so much for writing that in that makes me feel very very good because remember it's not the money you make it's the money you keep and i want to you know commend you for the thinking of going back in the archives and going to the website you know i say this to, to, to almost all the time on the show that if you only listen to the podcast i'm greatly appreciative you're missing out a lot by not by not going to the website and sue moore did a wonderful job of having the website be mobile device phone friendly but to tell you the truth if you have a tablet or you have a pc it presents much better on that because you could see everything at one time but anyway but i want to thank you so much for that james but to the audience that has not that may not have understood what james is talking about that a number of years back and was actually instituted by general motors back in 1979 for the 1980 front wheel drive cars which they called the x cars the chevy citation pontiac phoenix as oldsmobile omega and buick skylark is that they did away with the heat control valve now a lot of years ago cars had a heat control valve so you you limited the flow of the hot 
the hot water to the coolant, um, to the coolant, to the to the uh, to the uh, heater coolant, to the coolant. So and when you put the temperature on cold, it was supposed to block the hot water going to the heater core. And when you move the temperature over the temperature selector on the dashboard, it, you would slide it over or turn it over as a knob or slide. And then you would, at full hot, you had all the hot water going into the heater core. So the engine coolant going to the heater core. So in essence, what had happened was that General Motors and subsequently the whole industry of the whole industry embraced this what they did is they called it a blend air system they did away with the heater core and that the heat control valve not the heater core the heater control valve and then you always had full flow of the engine coolant to the heater core and the reason why they did that is that as the vehicles were getting smaller that was the smallest vehicle there was a small vehicle gm was building not the smallest but the small vehicle and there's a limited amount of real estate and what they did is that they actually used a heater core as a additional radiator to help supplement the engine so they didn't have to put as large of a radiator in the vehicle because the heater core which is an ex- heat exchanger was acting as a supplemental radiator and what they would do is have a bunch they would have a series and not a bunch it doesn't sound engineering wise a series of doors underneath the dashboard so when you would go and move the selector and say okay i want the frost i want heat i want air conditioner out of vent i want this coming out of the floor and the temperature control it would move all these different doors and redirect the air so what he so i had spoken about that a while back in the podcast and then what james did was he had a problem with his his ram truck and with a cummins diesel and it used a blend air system so one of the doors was stuck so so the heater core was still absorbing coolant heat from the coolant and acting as a radiator because the door was stuck it was actually putting some of that heat into the duct the discharge duct for his ac so when he put the ac on the end the duct temperature the discharge temperature from the duct was not that cold so normally you would say oh well my air conditioner is not working properly well no your air conditioner the ac side the the compressor and everything is working properly that it was it was the discharge because it was being diluted with the hot air because the under the underneath the dashboard one of the blend air doors he said was stuck which is common lots of times a vacuum hose rots or falls off of it right and that doesn't move the door to door defaults to a position so the take-home message here is know whether your farm equipment your vehicles have a heat control valve or a blend air system believe it or not a lot of farm equipment today uses a blend air system instead of a heat control or heater control valve all right the second thing is that if you're chasing and a low duct temperature on ac on any vehicle with a blend air system then what you need to do is put your gauges pressure gauges on the ac and if that system has the proper operating pressure because if it's low on refrigerant it's not going it's not going to have the proper operating pressure if the proper operating pressures are in are in line and the duct temperature in the cab is warm you don't have the you don't have that it's not cold as it should be the problem is not with the ac the problem is with the dash with the with the blend air doors so keep that in mind that's why i wanted to i'm glad that that he shared this letter with me because that's very important he was it was well i'm honestly in the middle of someone not there yet but it's hot out all right you go into harvest the thing basically is it's hot right you're harvesting you're running the ac even in the fall if you're not getting that discharge temperature where you want it from the ac don't don't automatically assume that the system is low on refrigerant it may very well be but what's going to give you the key to being low on refrigerant is the pressures on the low side and high side don't just assume that it's low on refrigerant because you could have a problem with those blend air doors as james did in north dakota and it's been hot in north dakota and dry so i'm glad that at least something worked out for him and i'm oh hey james and i want to thank you so much and have a wonderful wonderful uh getaway weekend getaway with your wife and i'm happy that you were able to listen and save that money all right so now we're back to our sprayer here our self self-propelled sprayer and who why is the pressure fluctuating well farmer d is correct 
there is an issue with the plumbing either to the pump or from it to the boom that is causing cavitation erosion the clue is the pitted volute which is the housing of the pump and the broken tips on the impeller and due to the restriction or restrictions out of this particular point i don't know if it's on the inlet or the outlet or possibly both air bubbles are forming that are destroying the pump if you do not find the problem the new pump will be damaged in short order so whenever you have a flow restriction in some sort of hydraulic people think of hydraulics say well, okay it's the it's for a loader it's for something that's that's hydraulic oil hydraulic fluids doing work but anything that you're moving fluid with so even like a sprayer works under the uh, under the the auspices of hydraulics and flow so if you so if the system is talking to you making noise it's talking to you it's moaning it's groaning all right and the thing is that the pressure is not not staying steady that that is the telltale sign of cavitation even on a hydraulic system like on a loader you get out in a cold day and the fluid is cold and you go try to move the bucket and it's talking to you well that pump is actually cavitating you don't want to try to use the hydraulics until the flow characteristics the fluid warms up and flows better through the system so you want to let that that system in a cold winter day especially up in north dakota or something you want to let that fluid warm up a little bit because when that when you move that lever and that hydraulic system is moaning and groaning it's actually cavitation so in this particular point that he has a flow restriction the flow restriction is either in the inlet of the pump so that would be sucking from the tank or the outlet of the pump where one of the lines going to the sprayer boom is restricted or something is restricted there is not that much complexity a lot, lot of piping length but not that much complexity and it's and it's having the system back up in pressure and then the fluid is staying in the pump and it's being overheated and it's becoming gaseous and it's cavitating and creating bubbles so that is so it's very important and that's why i always say with any type of hydraulic system hydraulic mean you're moving a liquid a water pump on an engine you need to look at it it will give you telltale signs of cavitation and if you don't fix that cavitation you're going to be back exactly in the same spot so as we get ready to close i want to thank you so much for tuning in today i'm going to give another quick shout out to 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 evan in lancaster pennsylvania shane in alvo nebraska and Cody and Megan in Vandegrift, PA. And I would love to get a pin in the map with your name on it and where you farm. And you just give me your name. You don't have to tell me anything about you if you don't want. And just know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher in my beloved, beloved America. But I want to hear from listeners every place. We have them all around the world. I'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye and have a great week.